are friends at Home for Good. Um, I have the joy of sitting uh, on the advisory board with these guys, and, uh, and as a church family, we support them. As a church, you support the work, the ongoing work of Home for Good, uh, as we seek to uh, find a home for every child that needs one. Um, and so I just thought it would be good for us uh, to play that. Um, a lot of work went into that video, and uh, and I wanted to play it to encourage us, or to bless you, or to comfort you this morning. Um, I feel exhausted. <laughs> I got a good enough sleep, don't get me wrong. I feel I have enough sleep, I just feel, I feel there's a moment I glimpsed the intensity of his love for people. I'm sure it was just a glimpse, but I feel like, I just feel exhausted. <laughs> um, so I pray for grace as, I, as, we, as we journey through this. Say what I believe God's wanting to stir our hearts with today. I think, I think actually if we, uh, if we left home, if we left already, I think he's, he's met with us. He's, we've done enough. Um, but uh, but let, me, let me share some thoughts. I've, um, I've just finished once again reading through the Gospel of Luke. Um, incredible, uh, incredible to, to just keep on reading the stories of Jesus. Keep on reading the stories of what he did and where he went and how he engaged with people. And how he loved people and, uh, and his grace and his mercy on each encounter. But right back at the very beginning, right back in the very beginning of Luke, uh, the, the first couple of chapters, we're introduced to three women. So just so you know, we're, we, are, uh, we are still on our series, Who is My Neighbor? And today I want to talk a wee bit about, last week we talked about uh, the, the household of faith, the family of believers. And today, just this morning, uh, a few minutes towards the end, I just want to bring it, uh, bring it home, uh, no closer than family, at home, um, those that we live with, those that are closest to us. I want to uh, suggest a few things around that. But just before that, as we as we think of of mothers, and I think particularly as Julia's right done this morning, particularly women, I'm struck again by the th- the three women that were first introduced to in, in Luke chapter one and chapter two. Elizabeth, Mary, and, uh, and Anna. And Elizabeth and Zachariah are a couple that have struggled with infertility, struggled with barrenness, and, and yet in the midst of it all, we know Zachariah is one of the priests um, that goes and, and represents, um, represents the people before God. And, and here's a couple that are still loved by God, still used by God, in spite of infertility. They end up giving birth to John the Baptist. It's a wonderful, wonderful story of redemption, a wonderful story of, uh, of how anything is possible with God. But here, were this, this couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah, still believed they were loved and used by God even in the midst of their infertility. And we get to Mary. We get to Mary. We can't, get, we can't have Mother's Day without mentioning the f- most famous mother of all, Mary, one who submitted her whole life, submitted her whole life, risked her future. She, she, she risked the, the, the scorn and the ridicule. She opened herself to the scorn and the ridicule, and she said yes. She said yes to God. She became the mother 
of Jesus. And, and the prophecy that was given to her from Simeon was that a sword will pierce your own soul too. Your heart, Mary, is going to break. And in spite of that, she still submitted her whole life. She still gave her entire being. She risked her future and opened herself up to ridicule to be the mother of Jesus. And then in the, towards the end of Luke chapter 2, we have the story uh, that often the so many unsung heroes in the Bible. And, uh, and I just, I know Anna's only mentioned for a few verses, but I, I just love the short testimony we have of this lady. She, um, her husband died after seven years of marriage and then uh, she worshipped all night and all day. She worshipped and she fasted all night and all day in the temple. She worshipped in the temple all night and all day. Right up until, it depends, what day, it depends how you translate it, either until she was 84 or for 84 years since her husband passed. Either way, for, a, for decades, Anna worshipped in the temple day and night. And I'm just struck by her story again over, the, over this week as I think about her circumstances. And despite her circumstances, she refused to give in to grief and she refused to give in to regret beautiful testimony in spite of loss in spite of all that she'd lost in spite of all the dreams that died along with her husband in spite of maybe all those plans that she had for family life died with her husband she did not give in to grief and she did not give in to regret she didn't have the family where we're not told the family that she may have wanted or probably more than likely that the, the family that society would have expected of her she wasn't able to have the family she wanted, may have wanted or the, what society expected of her. But here was a worshipper, one whose identity was rooted in God and purpose was found in him alone. Her story is told in a few short verses, but I'm so attracted to her testimony. Did not give in to grief or regret and found her identity firmly rooted in him and purpose found in him alone. Three Incredible women that were told of in the first two chapters of Luke. And so there's, the Bible doesn't shy away from stories of infertility, from stories of, of grief. It doesn't shy away from the, the scorn and the ridicule that, that came along with saying yes to Jesus. And so I think it's important, and I know it's already been done, but this is a really difficult day for some. This is a really difficult day for the families that we have already mentioned in prayer. It's a really difficult day for some of you in the room. It's a really difficult day for mothers, I'm sure. I think it's a difficult day for dads as well. It's a difficult day for men. For whatever reason, maybe loss of a mum or poor relationship with mum, whatever. For some of us, and I think as much as we want this today to be a day of celebration and, and honouring women and mothers, I still think it's a day that we still acknowledge that it's difficult for some. Those that have faced loss, those that have faced heartbreak, those that have faced the expectations not being met, those that have, those that have faced miscarriage, whatever, whatever it is, it's a difficult day for many. And so often we, we speak, these, these are thoughts that I felt God just stir within me over the last 48 hours and 
And we often speak of the Father's heart. That's one of the dates you look at your calendar and you see where Father's Day is and you can pin right there. We know what we're going to be preaching on that day. No doubt we're speaking on the Father heart of God and Father's Day. And, uh, and so often we speak of Father's heart. But I want to suggest this morning, and hope everybody hears me right. I'm not doubting the, anything, with, uh, anything that we're told about in Scripture, but I think in the very nature of God that there is a mother's heart. In the very nature of God there is a mother's heart. And, and I want to go right back to Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says that in his own image he created them. Male and female he created them. In his own image. He created males. And in his own image he created females. And part of me found myself asking this question. How could God have created female in his own image if there was not some aspect to his nature or his character that is feminine? That is motherly. How can he have created females in his own image if there's not some aspect to his nature or character that is feminine or motherly? Use mother. If, if you wrestle, part of me wrestles even asking the question, but if you struggle with the feminine, how can we, how could God have created female in his own image if there's not some aspect to his nature or character that is, that is motherly? Isaiah 49 verse 15 says, uh, and it gives us a bit of an insight. It's after Psalms, isn't it? 49 verse 15. Can a mother forget her, her, the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Something of this in the very nature of God, the heart of a mother. I think it's more explicitly, I think it's more on display even than that in Isaiah 66. Listen to this in Isaiah 66, verse 11. For you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river, and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. And here's Father God. Here's God Almighty speaking, saying, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem I think in the very nature of God there is a mother's heart we see it even in the words of Jesus Jesus in his in his passionate in his passionate speech if you want to call it that in Matthew 23 Jesus says how often Jerusalem, Jerusalem how often I have longed to gather your children this is the picture that he, that he speaks of. To gather, gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And as I get to the New Testament and I get to the letters of Paul, I think Paul understood this. 
I think Paul understood the very nature of God more than, more than most. Because there's times where we see Paul ministering to the people in each of the cities that he had planted churches. And he goes back and tries to encourage and tries to motivate and tries to challenge. And we read, verse, we read verses like uh, when he writes to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 4, he says, You have many guardians, but you don't, there's very few fathers. He comes and speaks into this. He comes and, and speaks into the lives of these, these young men, into these young churches. You have many people telling you what to do instructing you the way to go but you haven't had many fathers that have come to encourage you and lead you and, and point the way and teach you well but then we get to Galatians we get to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19 and as he writes this letter to a different church his language is slightly different and he says to the church in Galatia I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you He speaks like a he speaks like a, a mother. He speaks like one who is who is going through the pains of childbirth until they see Christ being formed in those that he has been called to serve. And so I've become so aware as I've thought this week, as I've spent time thinking about this over the last couple of days, I, I'm aware that. The church needs fathers. The church needs fathers to lead and to instruct, to teach. And we've spoke a lot about that, I think. We spoke uh, today the church needs fathers. And I don't think that we speak enough about the church needing mothers. And I think there's something beautiful going on in the church today about the, about the role of women. But the elevation of of the, the role of women today within the church and within society, within, within, our, within life. And the church needs mothers. Because my goodness, the church needs, needs comforted. The church needs nourished. The church needs those that will agonize alongside. And no one does that like a mother. Growing up, if I wanted somebody to agonize with me, if I wanted somebody to weep with me, if I wanted somebody to catch my pain, I'm going to go to my mum before, probably before I go to my dad. It's nothing to do with, it's nothing to do with relationship with dad. It's, it's, it's just I know a mother's going to weep. A mother's going to agonize. A mother's going to comfort. A mother's going to hold me close. I think the, the, the picture of, of the father over and over again to the, to the children of Israel, often it's words that the father needs to come and speak to instruct and to lead and to guide. But there's times in their most brokenness and in their, and in their deepest pain and their deepest anguish and their deepest cries of, of turmoil, it is, it's whenever God comes and comforts as a mother. And I think Paul does the same in his ministry. He recognizes that there's times where a father needs to come and lead and instruct and teach, but there's times where a mother needs to come. Paul took on that role and he came and he comforted, he nourished, he held them in close, he agonized with them. There's times where we're told, uh, I think it's a couple of times, I can't remember where exactly, but he says to the church, you know, you remember how I toiled among you, how I labored, how I got to the place where I just wept over you. 
The church needs fathers. The church needs mothers. And it's not just we get to Mother's Day and we acknowledge and we tip our hats and say, well done, thanks for cooking our dinner, thanks for cleaning up after us. No, it's so much more than that. I, I long today we get rid of that narrative completely. The mothers, we need you. The church desperately needs you. There is sons and daughters that need comforted, that needed nourished, that needed agonized with. We see it really clearly in First Thessalonians. In First Thessalonians chapter two and verse seven, Paul comes to the to this early church, to this young church, and he reminds them of how he was when he came among them at the start, and he said, "We were gentle among you. We were gentle among you, like a mother caring." For her little children, you know the, real, the 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 literal translation, the original in that is a nursing mother. It's a mother giving tender care. It's a mother holding her child in her arms. Paul comes to the church, to grown men and and, and grown women, to to young men and young women, and says, "You remember when we first came? When we were among you, we were gentle." And we, we were like a mother caring for her little children, nursing her little children. And then it goes on. It goes on in verse 11. And I think it's speaking of a different time. He, sa- he says again, brothers, you remember that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children. When he came among them at first, he, he, he was gentle and he nourished and he cared and he held them close. But there's a time where fathers, as a father, he, he, uh, he dealt with them as a father deals with his children. They encouraged. And, and I think that, that it's in that letter, it's in Thessalonians 2, verse 12 and 13, it goes on to say that, he, that, the, that like a father dealt with his children, we dealt with you and we encouraged you and we urged you to live a life worthy of your calling. And I'm not saying mothers can't do that and mothers don't do that. The mother's comfort, bring in close, and then the father say, "Right, come on, let's go. It's, it's time to live the life that you've been called to. I'm urging you to live the life worthy of your calling." And so, over the last three weeks, I suppose I've been thinking of what it, what, it, what it's like to listen well to people who don't know Jesus. What it's like just to sit with them and to listen well. Even those within the family of believers that don't always believe the same things that we do, but what would it be like if we just listened well? And as I've considered these, these verses this week, I think it is that parental instinct for people that gives you the opportunity to speak into their lives. And I think Paul had such a freedom to speak into the lives of people because he had this parental instinct for them. And I love that I'm surrounded by people that have that parental instinct for people. Some, some are not yet mothers, are not yet fathers, but there's that parental instinct in you. There's that parental instinct that you have for people that gives you the opportunity to speak into their lives. And I often come here, I often try to get here before the worship team does for, for a bit of time and just to pray and to worship. And as I thought of this, and I don't want to embarrass them, but as I, as I thought of this, I couldn't help but think of Anastasia and Grace. And I just began to pray for you girls. And I know that you put up a WhatsApp message, Anastasia, about, the, about a couple that had came into the tin house and they've kept coming in. And they began to trust you. 
And I just think that you have, I know that they're older, they're so much older than you, but I think there's just this parental instinct for people that has given you the opportunity, almost the right to speak into their lives. And I pray that, I pray that for you today, and I honor you in that, that, that because you have listened well, because you have loved really well, that the Father, that you have given, that he has given you the, the opportunity to speak into their lives because of that parental instinct. And I think this is the case for so many of us, whether it's with work colleagues, whether it's with family, whether it's just within the family of believers, this parental instinct that, that gives you the opportunity to speak. We've, we've encouraged you. I've tried to encourage myself that I would listen. So often I find myself in a place of hearing people's pain but never fully listening. Hearing, hearing, but while they're talking, I'm rehearsing the right answer. But as I begin to listen, as I begin to listen to people and I begin to listen to their pain, I feel like I've been given more opportunity to speak into their lives. I feel like God has opened the doors as I've listened really well. I tried to listen really well. In the family of believers, we've, we, want that, we want that parental instinct because we want it to be a people that will encourage and to urge on and to, and to sit with and to cry with. And so I'm so grateful for mothers. I'm so grateful for that mother nature that is revealed in the heart of God. One that will nourish, one that will comfort, one that will bring security, and one that will offer heaps and heaps of affection. And so as I try, let me take the last few minutes just to, as we're thinking of mothers, bring bring a wee bit of the conversation right into the household. Because if we think of our neighbor, there is no one who lives closer than, than family. And there is no one easier to give off about. There is no one easier to tell tales on than family. And uh, I've been in different environments over the last week or two, and the story of Mary and Martha keeps, keeps coming up. Um, but as I reflected on it from, a, from this point of view, I thought, Mary or Martha comes and, and she's so upset. She, is, she comes to Jesus. She's doing nothing. She's doing nothing to help me. Will you tell her to come and help me? She's, there's no one that we can more find, it, find it more easy to give off about than family, to tell tales on than family. We've said over the last number of weeks that we can't love God without loving our brother. And that is so true. Read through First John. We cannot love, say that we, we cannot claim that we love God without loving our brother. And our testimony to the world is powerless, I believe, if we don't love one another. We spoke a wee bit about that last Sunday. Our testimony to the world becomes less effective if we don't love one another. But what I've also learned is that we can't love the family of believers and be distant in the home. If we want to speak with integrity around this, if we want to speak with any level of authority on this, then we can't love and give all of our attention and our energy to the, to the family of believers and then when we get behind the doors of our own home, we become distant. And we remain indifferent. And so I, I've, uh, as, my, as the kids have grown up, as Caleb and Eli and Jada have grown up, my goodness, am I aware of, of how they're watching me? 
how they're watching how I speak to Judith, how they're watching how I uh, treat them, how they're watching how I speak of other people. They're watching that. They're listening to that. And it's so much so that I get in a lot of trouble sometimes for how I speak to the cat. And I find myself even having to be so cautious of the language that I use when I speak of the cat because Jada gets incredibly upset. She gets incredibly upset when she thinks that I'm kicking the cat. I'm not. I'm just not letting it in the house. And I use my foot with an extra bit of oomph. But I'm not kicking it. I promise you I'm not kicking it. But, it's, but, I'm, but I become so aware of that. I become so, so uh, much more sensitive to the cat because of Jada. I can't believe it. But, um, but let me share really quickly a couple of things that have been really important for me. Hugely significant. And I've maybe shared it before, and I hope Judith doesn't mind me sharing it again. But um, a number of years back, right at the beginning of taking on leadership in, in, the, in the church, I went through a period of, of many months, maybe even longer, um, of being so longing for approval. There is still a part of me that still longs for your approval. So after today, come and give it to me. I need words of affirmation. But there's part of me long for such such approval that I would that I would have done everything to try and gain it. I'd give all my attention everywhere else, and then came back home and had no energy left when I got home. I had no more capacity to listen really well. I had no more capacity to love and to lead really well. My attention was being given somewhere else. And I'm so grateful that Judith took the courage and was bold enough to one day say took a lot of vulnerability to say, Neil, you've, you've been giving your attention to everywhere else, and what about me? And she didn't do it angrily. She, didn't, she wasn't cross. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't put, trying to put me on a guilt trip. She just asked that question, what about me? And almost and immediately, because I don't know if you're like me, but any time that Judith questions me on something, my immediate response is defense. No matter what, I will go straight to defense. But in this moment, I, I couldn't. In this moment, it struck me that hard that there was no defense. I had absolutely nothing to say. And it absolutely broke me in that moment. But it was the most significant, I, I would say it was probably one of the most significant times in her marriage. Whenever she was actually willing to be vulnerable, but actually there was a vulnerability in me that was like, oh my goodness, Judith, I am so sorry. I've done this wrong. I've led wrong. And there's some, something beautiful about the power of vulnerability in that moment that became the, probably the most significant part of our time in our marriage. And as I thought about it, over, as I've thought about it many times, one of the one of the most profound moments is in parenting is when I was willing to be vulnerable with Caleb. I can't, there's there's uh, there's times where I where I uh, where I can be passive. With the kids, I don't think I, I don't think I, I snap too often. I don't think I get too angry, but there's t- too often that I am passive. But there was one time that, that with with Caleb, I reacted out of frustration. I reacted out of a place of what was going on with me, not, rather than what Caleb had done. And uh, he went to his room and he got, went up to his bed and he just wept. And. Um, and after a, after ten or fifteen minutes, I, I realised that was that was that was on me. 
and uh, and it took a bit of time, unfortunately. But I I realised no, I need to go and tell Caleb that I'm sorry. I need to go and tell Caleb that I was wrong. And then that moment of 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 vulnerability with my son. For me, it became the most profound and significant moment as a parent that I can remember. And so, being vulnerable with people, and I think I could say it with—I think I could say it in friendship groups. I think I could say it with church leaders that I rub shoulders with often. That the most significant times um, have been whenever there there is an ability to be vulnerable. And C.S. Lewis said it. C.S. Lewis said. Uh, he said a lot of great stuff, and there's probably more to this quote. But the soundbite of the probably the larger quote from C.S. Lewis was, is to love, to love is to be vulnerable. And I know there's a whole, there is absolute, there's so much more that we can say about family, so much more that we can say about parenting, and so much uh, that would be worthwhile saying. But for me today, I just wanted to say that family can be the hardest place to say sorry. Family can be the hardest place, actually, to be vulnerable. There's times where I find it really easy to be to be vulnerable with with Neville and David as we lead church, and then there's times where I couldn't I couldn't be vulnerable like that with with those that were closest to me. I find it easier to say sorry to people that had maybe said the wrong thing to or or had the wrong attitude towards, but find it really difficult to do it with family. It can be the hardest place to say sorry. And, and so for me, what I'd love to say to you today is that it seems really simple, really basic, but I'd love to encourage you, if you're, if you're needing to say sorry now, or you need to say sorry at some stage, I am sure that within the next week, somebody in this room will have to say sorry. But I'd encourage you that you don't text it. I'd encourage you that you don't let it pass and, and be funny. And do the thing that always makes your spouse laugh to get them back on side. Don't let the moment pass. Don't, don't let it pass. Say sorry. Be willing to be vulnerable. Have a moment this week where you're willing to be vulnerable with your mom or your dad or your child or your spouse or even just your closest friend. Allow yourself to be vulnerable and see what happens. See what happens in a moment of vulnerability. I am going for a dinner today with, with our in-laws. We're taking Judith's mum out for Mother's Day dinner and Charlie's going to be there. And, uh, and as I've been thinking through this, this being vulnerable with everybody, um, I was like, well, I'll keep it to my mum and dad and I'll keep it to, to, Judith's, to Judith and the kids. But uh, sort of, I think it was the Lord's sense of humour. I, I think he was playing about with me. Because my reading this week was in Exodus chapter 18. And as I was thinking through this being vulnerable with family and the power of vulnerability within family, I came across Moses and how he needed the help and the advice and the instruction of his father-in-law, Jethro. Like, oh, Jesus, you're telling me that even, that even my father-in-law can speak into my life? Even my father-in-law, can, can, uh, should, we should allow them to even speak into our, our lives. And, uh, and so that's a good word for Fudge and David this morning. Your father-in-law's boys are filled with such wisdom, such authority, and I don't miss out on their wisdom and their clarity of thought and their all of that. But then, when it comes to kids, and then let me, I'm just finishing with this. I feel like there's so much more to, that I'd love to say. But 
feeling the adrenaline that I had to keep going is worn out. Um, Luke chapter 18, verse 15 to 17, has these, uh, has it, I think, just this most incredible, the most incredible things that I, that I think Jesus did. People were bringing babies to Jesus. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And so that's, that's how I finish. As we think about family life, as we think about family life and as we think about life even within the church, wherever you find yourself, I'd encourage you, don't hinder the children. And I know that there's times where it maybe can be noisy for you and maybe you're, it can be really frustrating. You struggle to keep attention whenever kids come and run about and mess about and are all over the place. But I want to encourage you, be like Jesus. Don't hinder them. We can correct and we can instruct, but don't hold them back. Don't because of afraid of a little bit of noise. Don't be because afraid of, of it, might, it might disrupt the flow. Because Jesus was in, Jesus was in full flow. Jesus was preaching it up. Jesus was healing. Jesus was seeing incredible activity. And the, and, the, and the temptation is to keep the kids out of the way. Keep the, They're too young. They don't understand. But Jesus says, stop. Don't, he rebuked them. He said, let them come. He stopped in full flow. And he said, let them come. Don't hinder them. Don't hold them back. Do not get in their way. And so I'd encourage you as mothers and fathers in the natural, but mothers and fathers that are just all over this room, don't hold don't hold them back. Don't get in their way. And it might even be somebody older than you. As I said, I feel like Anastasia and, and Grace increasingly are having a parental instinct for people. And I think they could come and these people come and they could disrupt the flow of their day. They could come and get in the way of what's normal and what's acceptable. But actually, actually a good parent will, will not hinder, will not hold them back, will not get in their way. And... Um, Eugene Peterson says in the message version, speaking of kids, speaking of children, that we are called to lead and to love and to serve. They are the kingdom's pride and joy. So don't get in their way. Don't hinder them. Don't hold them back. Father, I pray that um, in all that we've said today, and try to navigate through and pick things out that we just feel that there's some importance on in these moments we pray that you would Lord just encourage us validate us as, you, as only you can um, equip us God do something within our hearts continue to soften our hearts continue to strengthen us God we love you God we bless your name we honour you in Jesus name